When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, it's my privilege to talk to Brett Kelly yet again. Brett is known as an Evernote master or guru or whatever buzzword you want to apply to him. And we talk about Evernote for sure. But before we get into that, we actually have a conversation about a failed project that Brett put out. I'm not the only person saying that. He also says it as well. But the key piece here is that he shares what he learned from that failure in terms of being known in one space and creating something in an entirely different space and moving over to that area for uh, you know something you create and you want people to notice it. You want you know your work to be seen and heard and even bought. And yet that when that doesn't happen, what do you do? So we have a very open and honest conversation about that for a while. Then we move into something else Brett is working on right now, which is very cool and even wowed me in the process <laughs> of the conversation, which is his Master Your Mac email course that he has. I, I love it. I have been doing it. You'll, you'll hear during the conversation that he wowed me, and, and it was completely unplanned. And then I signed up for it on the spot, and I have... Honestly, since this conversation, been thrilled with it, more than thrilled with it, in fact. So, and then we jump into Evernote and do some tips and tricks there. So, that's what's in store for you for this conversation on this episode. And before you get into that conversation, I want to say thank you to Nasby, my task manager that helps me get my tasks and my projects done. Not just me, but over 300,000 other busy people and teams. I've been saying this for. I don't know, how many episodes now? You got to try it out. Nosby has been so generous that they are giving you, as a listener of this podcast, the opportunity to jump on for free for 30 days, Nosby Pro, a Nosby Pro 30-day free trial. All you need to do for you and a partner to get that, that's like two accounts in one, all you need to do is go to nosby.com slash T-O-D-O. That's N-O-Z-B-E dot com slash T-O-D-O. Here's the clincher. Even if you're somebody who is already using some other task management system, if you're like me, you've tried a bunch of them. But you owe it to yourself to try Nosby 3, which has been out a few weeks, few months now. I'm loving it. A lot of others are loving it. Again, the versatility and ubiquitousness of being able to capture and attack tasks from anywhere is just awesome. You got to check it out. Again, even if you're already using some other task management thing, go check it out. Go sign up for that trial. You'll be glad that you did. N-O-Z-B-E dot com slash T-O-D-O. And when you do it, let me know that you did. 
through the show notes to this episode, beyondthetodolist.com slash 130, and I will send you my Nosby template for my morning routine and a few other bonus ones. All right, let's get into the conversation with Brett. This week, it is my privilege to once again welcome back Brett Kelly to the show. It's been too long. Welcome back. Thanks, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good. It has been... I had to look it up. I blame you. I, I, I accept that blame. <laughs> <laughs> You've been up to a lot, but also more living life than it has been like doing tons of like work that's been out there. But we'll talk about the stuff you, you have been doing. A couple different things. And like I put in the pre-show, I flip through your Instagram and I see uh, basically inking, vaping, and cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are... Those are the three activities that occupy most of my discretionary time these days. Yes. And then so, and then there's the working. So and that's right. what this show is supposed to be about. So I guess we should probably talk about that. So those are <laughs> <laughs> if we actually, have to. Actually, th- since you're let's start here in a r- really random place. Since I know you're into cooking and you're also known as the uh, one of the Evernote guys or gurus, did you ever use Evernote food? Yes, extensively. Okay, so yep. it's going away. What are you die. doing? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love that app. I was so sad when I heard they were going to shutter that thing. So how are you going to deal with that? Uh, I suspect I'll just stick with uh, vanilla Evernote and weep quietly each time I, you know, <laughs> tell tip some olive oil out for Evernote food. But yeah, it'll uh, you know I'll I'll live. It was you know, it wasn't such a tragedy that I'm thinking no. about you know anything yeah. at all. But yeah, it was a. Uh, it was a bummer. So that's probably the worst opening question I've ever done on this show. Well, I made a suicide joke right after you said it. So if you want to compare <laughs> failures. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go there. The le- Since the last time okay. that you were on the show, you came out with another book that was all about not Evernote. Right. <laughs> and that's probably that's the best correct. way to put it. Mm-hmm. And it tanked. And you said it- so yourself. And you've blogged about it. But... Let's go through some of what you figured out in terms of that. Let's set it up. Let's tell the story of what it is, why it was a failure, and any thoughts you've had since you came out with that being a failure. Okay. So it's relevant that I was a cigarette smoker for 15 years. Over the last couple of years, I've adopted the electronic cigarette habit as a a replacement for traditional cigarettes. And something that I, if you know anything about it, it's not super easy to get into. You'll you know walk into one of these stores and want to buy something that you can just. I just want to stop smoking cigarettes. Give me what I need, and you'll pay a hundred bucks and you'll walk out with this contraption about which you know very little as far as the internals and how it functions. So I spent a lot of money, a lot of time trying to figure out how these things actually worked. And I thought you know this could be useful information to give to other people who are along the same you know on the same trajectory I was. Mm-hmm. So I thought all right. I can bang out some short little, you know, 10,000 word guide on like just how they work, how to shop for them, like the basics of like the electricity and the physics involved, which I had to learn because I'm an idiot. And just also the social kind of how what it's like to live as a vapor. <laughs> I really, I historically have hated the word vape and vaping. I still don't love it, but it was whatever. It's the word we right. agreed on as a society. So we call it that. So I wrote this book and ended up uh, being not much longer than I thought, about maybe 20,000 words or so. I guess it was double that what I thought. Anyway, uh, and I called it The Art and Science of Vaping. And so it's two halves. The art, which is just like, well, I did in reverse order. The science, which is like how batteries work, how 
Ohm's law, you know, how the different bits and bobs of it function and how just to make sense of it. And then the latter half is just how to do it, like what it's like to sit at a bar and be the guy vaping and not the guy smoking or, you know, that kind of stuff, lifestyle stuff. So I wrote this book and launched it in right before Christmas last year and launched it to my, you know, I emailed my, my customer list about it, my, my newsletter list and got really like a really crappy response like you're the <laughs> you're the technology like productivity guy and you're writing about smoking because a lot of people still conflate the two right like electronic cigarettes and cigarettes are the same thing to most people yeah. you're still smoking and which it turns out a lot of people think is really gross so they were like dude you're sullying your name by writing about such a, a tawdry topic and you know you should be ashamed of yourself and you should take this book down because it's just it's making me not want to buy everything else you sell I was like, oh, okay. Wow. That's um, hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, that was not the like, uniform response, but there was a lot of people who said something similar. So that was not, not fun to hear. Well, I, I saw it but, and I said, oh, well, that's just not for me, but good on you for making right. something. But you know what I mean? That's what I hoped the response would be from people who weren't interested, but there are some, some pretty vocal people out there. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, to be honest, it was something, because I've been writing about, I mean, I had put out four versions of the Evernote book by this point. Um, written about all sorts of technology stuff. I just wanted something different. I wanted a new, like, separate project that I could yeah. just sort of sink my teeth into for a while. And that's what it was. And I'm I'm proud of it. It's a good it's a good book. I think uh, <laughs> I think I've sold like a hundred and something copies over the last year. It doesn't doesn't sell very well. I still like one or two a month. There there but, are people though that hear that and they're envious of your hundred something. Right. Right. So. Well, I, I mean, the only thing I have to compare it to is the Evernote book, which did way better. So, you know, and it's, at the end of the day, it ends up being like a couple hundred dollars worth of revenue from <laughs> right. these, these monstrous sales that I was doing. So anyway, like when I, after I shipped it and after it would totally fell off the, <laughs> fell off the edge of the pier, I was like, okay, so why did that happen? And I realized there were, and I blogged about this, like you said, but basically it was, it came down to a couple things. First, uh, I tried to enter a market where I had no credibility, no authority, and no presence whatsoever. So I was trying to sell to people who knew me for one thing, but I was trying to sell them something completely different. It's like I walked into the you know the auto parts convention trying to sell like vacuum cleaners or something, and everyone looked at me like, "What? What are you doing here? This is you're not. This is not you. Whatever." So that was point number one. Second, I sort of assumed that there would be enough like overlap between my audience and people who were in the process of investigating electronic cigarettes, which is, the, okay, let me stop right there. That was the stupid mistake I made, was the product itself is flawed in that it's the target market is people who currently smoke and who are investigating electronic cigarettes as an alternative. And that is a very narrow window of time for people. Either they switch or they don't, or they just straight up quit smoking altogether. Right. So I'm trying to find people as they're passing through this one like, frame, oops, sorry, this one frame of life that lasts maybe a month and hoping that this will be the thing that maybe helps me. It's, it'll be helpful if it, if it finds them there. But in terms of a product and a business, like it's just a terrible idea because there's not going to be, I mean, maybe there will be people who end up buying this thing. I don't know, <laughs> but the, the market is so small and the time frame is so narrow where I'm supposed to find the, the market for, for this product. Um, that's, that was the main business reason why it was a terrible idea. And it still is a terrible idea, but, um, yeah, basically those two things. No, no, no presence in the market and <laughs> a fundamentally flawed idea at the start. 
So what was your expectation going to, you know, going in? Did you think there was going to be a lot of sales or something? I mean, I thought so. Well, I, I was counting more on like organic kind of Amazon traffic. Right. And I had, you know, I've got or, or the Evernote book is already for sale there. It won't be for much longer, probably, but it's already up there. And I have pretty good whatever author rank. I got mm-hmm. a lot of reviews on my other book and it, it does well. So I'm like, OK, well, maybe I don't know how Amazon's internal dingus works. Maybe it'll like promote my thing because the other thing does well. No idea. Or people will just search for vaping and find my book because there were only like three other books at the time. And now there are dozens. True. So I don't know. Um, but my expectation was, well, I spent more time writing this book than I had planned to. I wanted to crank it out in like a month, but it ended up taking me like four. Oh, wow. So that, yeah, whatever. It was a weird time in my life. But got it out and was hoping just like, all right, I'm just kind of letting this thing go with, I mean, I hope it does well, but didn't have any real expectation of how well it would do. Okay. And it turns out it did. Fantastic. Well, and, 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 and again, you're pulling up your expectations then up against the experience of what you had already done with the Evernote book, right. which was kind of a unique thing. And is one, well, one, you were known in that space and you did already have kind of a following, but then also, you know, Evernote liked you and you worked with them. So it's right. You know? Yeah. Well, I've, I've long tried to disabuse myself of the notion that I'll ever have another success like the Evernote <laughs> book. <laughs> Cause frankly, it's like, that was such a wild out of nowhere. Like I can't believe, still can't believe how well it has done. Yeah. Um, so the other things I make, while I hope they achieve some moderate level of success, I don't think they'll ever be as popular as the first thing I made. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not walking around hoping to make another Evernote book. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. So. Yeah. so it's been a year since then, though, since like the fail, the fail or the fallout of the fail or whatever you want to call it. But uh, right. how has that changed your approach to creation? Like in terms of um, how you think about approaching, you know, oh, that might be an idea. Well... Is it is it worth it? Do I even try? You know those kinds of doubts. Yeah, um, I think. Well, the first takeaway, the primary takeaway, is like don't try to sell stuff related to a, a topic you've never talked about. Really, <laughs> I mean, I put it on Instagram about it sometimes, and I tweet about it occasionally, but that's nothing. I never wrote blog posts about it. I never did anything kind of official um, about electronic cigarettes. So, like, okay, well, people know you, people know me for a certain series of things, right? A small set of topics. And if I want to write about something different or produce a product related to a different topic than those small set of topics, I need to spend time, like maybe half a year or more, beginning to explore that topic more publicly and write, you know, write an article about it on my site every couple of weeks or a couple of months and just kind of see what the reaction looks like and see what kind of traffic it gets, see what kind of reaction it gets. Because it's, yeah, there's no... There's no way to know without testing mm-hmm. whether or not people are going to be into this thing, this thing that I want to make. And I've got plenty of ideas that, of products that I want to make and sell that aren't related to technology at all. But having gone through that once and learned my lesson, yeah. um, I'm going to be a way more kind of circumspect about just like closing my eyes for six months, cranking something out and lobbing it into the ether and hoping it does well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a little more of a grown up about it next time. So do you feel like you've got to immerse yourself into whatever the cultures or, you know, you know, make relationships with the people that are already in those areas of those, you know, uh, products that you're considering? Maybe. I don't know. It's like, honestly, with the electronic cigarette thing, like I'm not a part of that community at all online. Like I read the, the subreddit about it every now and again, and I follow a few people on Twitter who talk about it, but I'm not, you know, 
no one would know who I am if you just right. said this guy, you know. And frankly, like I'm not super interested in that. Like I'm, I'm, an, I'm an enthusiast for sure, but I'm not interested in becoming like an active part of that community, um, just because I don't really have the time, and I'm perfectly happy with my level of involvement at this point. Gotcha. Um, but for other stuff, it might be it might be prudent to do that, or I don't know, maybe not. I just or just expose my audience to it a little bit more, and like like I said, kind of see if they're see if they're into it. <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm, I'm running a business. Exactly. You know, like <laughs> if you walk into <laughs> walk into a Walmart. A lot of crap for sale other people don't care about that work there. You know, the guy who works at Walmart is not work there because he loves the fish tanks. He works there because he gets paid. And now I, I write about things that I care about for sure. But I also have to go, okay, well, how can I, you know, I've got to feed my kids here. So, and as, as far as if my own ethical qualms about entering a market purely to sell to it, like, I don't, okay, that, that there's a market. Like, I'm right. a guy who makes things and I have certain skills and certain talents that I, and certain things that I care about and things that I like. And if I can find the intersection of what I'm good at and what other people are willing to pay for and things that I like, then okay. Like I'm not, I'm, I don't know, like I'm not ripping anybody off. Like I'm providing no. real value for what I'm, you know, what I'm asking. And if, you know, and of course no one's holding a gun in anybody's head. If they think I'm a, a charlatan for, you know, entering the, the vaping market or whatever, trying to sell them a product and they don't have to buy it, you know, no problem. That's fine. But as far as my own kind of, how I feel about it. I'm like, you know what? We could all be a little less Gandhi about how you must be absolutely true to like your innermost passion when you try to make something, sell it to people because it's, you know, uh, I don't know. Everyone, no, I totally, I, it, fr- I, it frustrates yeah. me. <laughs> it, it's, it's that whole altruist. We've got to be on our altruistic motives at all times. I like yeah. that. You just said we could all be a little less Gandhi. <laughs> that is the tweetable quote from this episode. <laughs> but I totally oh, get it. And again, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here because sure, sure. I've had these same thoughts where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, if I wanted to do something outside of the productivity realm, then to get people interested in it, you know, do I need to go do this or that? And, you know, how, how, where is the line? And is there even a line? That's kind of where I was going. So, yeah, totally. And I think we need to stop thinking about that too much because, again, if you're somebody who, is doing your own thing and you're making your own stuff and you're doing it to one, because you want to make good stuff. Great. But two, if you want to make something off of it, that's a whole other story and they're not mutually exclusive, but you got to think it through, think through the process, I guess. Well, and it's not necessarily, I guess the assumption that I want to challenge is that making something that is not whatever, what you're known for, like me with the vaping book, there was no, I'm not at odds with any kind of, ethical anything like i'm just gonna make this thing because i care about the topic and i think it's interesting and i think there's a market for it i think there's value in what i'm making and that's enough <laughs> yeah for me to like want to do that and think okay well like i could and if i you know start hanging out on like e-cigarette or whatever and make myself known there as someone who sort of knows what he's talking about and then go hey i'm i've wrote a book that you're you know, you won't need because you're all enthusiasts, but you're, you know, your aunt and uncle might like or whatever. Then, oh, I see. You were just, you know, you were using us to, <laughs> you know, build a, build a platform for what you're trying to sell. It's like, I wasn't, you know, I guess I could have said that at the outset, but I don't know. 
Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and am intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X dot com to learn more. Well, so you, in between then, in between the book and now, what have you been working on? I know that you've got something brand new, which is not completely off the rails from what you were already kind of working on. It's in the productivity space. Right. And it's all about mastering your Mac. And yeah. when I saw that, I said, oh, that makes sense. That was me kind of, you know, in the, in the wake of the, <laughs> the vaping books fiasco, kind of going, all right. What's what's something I can do next that's more in line with what my audience would come to would, would expect from me, um, and what's something that I know pretty well that I could you know make and educate because that's the thing I boil down what I'm decent at to distilling and explaining things, especially technical things. So that's like all right, well this fits perfectly with that because I'm not writing Master Mac isn't about like how to right click and how to you know do very basic stuff but, like that's that's all assumed. Uh, it's more like for you know, people who are around my age who use Mac like for work, or they use one regularly enough to where they know the basics, but want to do the basics faster and want to learn more of the kind of two hundred one level stuff. So, yeah, it's basically what it is. It's a I call it a premium email course, which is kind of a goofy marketing thing to mm-hmm. say, but it's five bucks a month. You get an email every week with some like it's like a blog post linked article about some interesting thing you can do with your Mac that you probably didn't know you could. And the response has been really, really good so far. And I'm, I've got content for <laughs> eons because nice. the Mac is a really intricate and it's it. The easy stuff is really Apple makes it really obvious how to do most things. But what you don't see is the ways that you can do all sorts of other stuff and the ways you can I don't know automate and kind of tweak and work faster with the Mac. So that's the kind of material I'm I'm attacking. So yeah. I used to be through and through a Windows person, mostly mm. because it was cheap to get a Dell at home 
and I had Windows at work, and I did not have a cell phone other than a flip phone for a long time. And then I got an iPhone, I got an iMac, and that's not this, or not an iMac, a, a MacBook, um, the white one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, gradually, as all the pieces of technology that I had were getting swapped over, and I went through and through Mac across the board everywhere. Um, you know, it's like how Apple just, it's like how Apple says it just works. And it did. And that's not to say I've had not had my headaches, my share of them, but it's what's worked best for me. How did you right. get into this? How did you get into being a Mac person? Oh boy. Um, let's see. So it was 2005, I think, maybe 2006. Um, I had been, at the time, I was working as a, a Windows developer, believe it or not, um, for a company around here. And I was using Linux on the desktop at home. Wow. <laughs> Date myself just a You're little bit. You're going all over the place. Yeah. I was a big Linux enthusiast for like three or four years back in the day. And <laughs> it gave it, it was Linux is fine if you're like a computer enthusiast, but if the person you're living with is not, it causes a lot of headaches. So I was convinced that maybe we should not have Linux at home anymore. Uh, so I ended up, a friend of mine ended up donating to me an old Power Mac, a Power Mac G3, if memory serves. And so got that all set up, and I had never, I had used Macs, and I had sort of balked at Macs for years uh, because, you know, the one mouse button always struck me as incredibly stupid and all that. And I don't know, I just didn't, I was, I made fun of what I didn't understand. So anyway, I get this Mac, and I start using it and start, you know, learning how things work. And, oh, okay, wow, installing applications is super easy. So I was uninstalling them. So it was whatever. And, sort of got better and got faster with it. And over the next two jobs, well, the job I had and the job I had after that, I was Windows all, all day. But I became kind of a, I really enjoyed using OS X. And so I bought a new Mac, white MacBook in 2007. And that was my main computer at home hey, for like same, four same years. Same time as me. Yeah, those, the little mm-hmm. <laughs> those gleaming white MacBooks. Yes. Uh, that would then but, gradually turn yellow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> in a profoundly like dirty snow kind of yes. way. Yeah. So <laughs> so used that Mac for a long time. And then I when I left the last job before I worked at Evernote, um Evernote let me they were all Mac. So I went to being Mac full full time working at home and it was wonderful. <laughs> so I've been all Mac ever since and I'm and I'm I'm kind of the like tinkerer type when it comes to computers. Like I want to do things faster, better, mm-hmm. you know, optimized for speed and efficiency and all that stuff. So totally. that, you know, with maybe, what is it, eight years of experience with the Mac, um, coupled with, you know, spending inordinate amounts of time, like, writing Apple Script <laughs> and <laughs> learning how to assign keyboard shortcuts to obscure menu items and blah, blah, blah like that. So, wow. yeah. How does mastering your Mac work? If someone jumps in now, do, have they missed out on emails? Can they get those back issues? No, it's you start from the beginning, no matter when you sign. Oh, up. okay, cool. Yeah. Um, then, are you willing to tease something that you've already shared, or have something that's maybe in the hopper? Hmm. Let me open my <laughs> Macintosh computer here, and I'd be happy to. But gotta give me a second to pull up. I want to make sure I read it right. Okay. Let me go look at my my Google Docs spreadsheet where I keep all this stuff. And then I've got a question that I'm going to see if I can't stump you with. Oh boy. Love it. Okay. So, okay. So the sort of litmus test, I said you'd be a good, you'd be a good test case for this. I know yeah. you're, you're I don't, I'm not sure how enthusiastic a Mac user you are. I don't, I don't know you that well, but um, do you know what the command tilde keyboard shortcut does? 
without looking it up and without trying it? I do not. Okay. So that's sort of the one question, is this right for you or not kind of <laughs> survey that I've <laughs> – Okay. That, I decided that early on. Like if you know what that does – maybe I'm not saying Master Your Mac isn't for you, but like you're probably sufficiently nerdy to where you might not find enough value in this course to justify the cost. Okay. So, um, but I'll just I'll, I'll I'll ruin the surprise for you. All right. Uh, so Command Tab lets you uh, cycle between running applications. Yes. Uh, Command Tilde will cycle through the windows of the of the active application. Okay. So if you've got three Safari windows, Command Tilde will cycle through those windows and make each one active. All right. Which one's Tilde? The one next to one. Oh. You have to have more than one window. Is the trick? I thought I did. Oh. Okay. It's actually Command Backtick, I guess, because Command Tilde is a shift keystroke. Okay, let me see. Yeah. Let me let me try this. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing more fascinating than live tech help <laughs> podcasts. Yep. Oh, it's oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> Seriously, to be able to switch, and then if I had, oh, that's very cool. Um, that's just that's gonna save me tons of time. Sweet. That geez. All right, you paid. You paid for yourself. <laughs> or, I <laughs> mean, ever. your appearance is worth its weight in. Tilda. I don't know, man. Um, that's awesome. Okay, so so you're saying that if if you freaked out, like if if you if you freaked if you didn't know that tip, and you want to know more, your course is for me, which it yeah. is. I think we've proven that. But if I did know that, even if I did know that, it's still for them, uh, which obviously I'm not <laughs> worthy of. But uh, because that's the route you're going through or you know that's the kind of stuff that like hey if you, you there's there may be some stuff in here you will know but for the most part it's going to be stuff like that that nobody knows or isn't like commonplace or something you know what i mean right right okay the stuff that's like it's not it's yeah it when when you sit down at the at the <laughs> genius bar or whatever to get your one on one when you buy your mac and they show you how to do everything like this is the stuff they won't teach you not because it's like too hard it's just not common enough like they'll show you you know command q to quit command tab to switch apps that kind of stuff like the basic stuff but this is more i want to do i already know how to do all that i want to know how to do something i want to you know want to do it faster want to do it better want to know the tricks so that's what this is about that's awesome any others you're willing to share dude okay (laughs) i want people to go do it and and again it's like what five bucks for a month and you get four plus emails or something Mm mm-hmm I and mean, the beauty part, let me clarify one thing real quick. So it's five bucks a month, and the number of emails is as, is as yet undetermined. So I'm adding to this list oh. kind of all the time. And it will, whenever it's, when it runs out, it'll just stop billing you. It's not going to be like a gym membership or whatever, where it's going to bill you forever until you realize you're being charged. It'll just stop mm-hmm. charging you. But you know, I'm hoping to have many, many dozens of these, and I've already got a lot. So just, but stuff like that, like the command tilde thing. Um, all right, let's see one other one. Okay. This is one of my favorite ones. I've, I've almost never find anybody who knows that this one exists. So, um, do you know how to restore a minimized window using only the keyboard? No, that would be good. Cause I hate having to like go down to the dock and then mm-hmm. go over to it and then click it and bring it back open. Yep. So, now, the caveat here is that it, can only, it only works in applications that have one active window. So if you've got nine Safari windows, this won't work. But if you have one Safari window that's minimized, this will work. Okay. So you I'm hit ready. command, hold command, hit tab. So just do me a favor, minimize one app and tell me which app it is. Uh, I, I chose Safari. 
Okay, so you've got Safari minimizing the dock. So if you hold Command and hit Tab until Safari is selected in the application switcher, mm-hmm. so while holding Command, also press Option, then let go of Command. Cool. <laughs> nice. It brought it that right up. That will restore. <laughs> we can't see our screens right now. That will like... restore the uh, minimized window. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. We're just sitting here. <laughs> Bro, it's so rad. Yeah. Got a voice for anyway, we already said that. Um all right, I'm sold. I I I am going to get on this list myself. That that should be an I mean the the fact that you just sold me with those two things. Uh I mean, I remember using a Mac early on and not even knowing or yeah, not even knowing the command tab thing. Mm-hmm. But I would see somebody else do it, and I'd be like, "How'd they bring that thing up that like switched between all the different like apps that were open? I want to know how to do that. That's what this is, and you just done that with me for like two things, and <laughs> I'm in. Boom! I feel pretty so, good. All right, good. Sold me. Sold live <laughs> live demonstration. And seriously, none of this was planned. Right. I have <laughs> to give that caveat. Like I, all enthusiasm here was genuine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll send the check over. In like all right. A week. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like we like we planned. No, yeah, so exactly. that's awesome. And so you're so so if I jump in right now, like I'm going to like literally, I pulled my wallet out and I set it here because I'm going to do this as soon as we're done talking. Um, when I join up, I'm gonna get that very first one, the very mm-hmm. first email, and then from that point forward, and you're continuing to write them. Yep. What if at some point you? Uh, are you going to decide to maybe switch it up, maybe have a different sequence, or maybe pull or add stuff? How does that work? Any thoughts there? Well, I mean, there's not much I can do in terms of, well, everyone is, people who have already signed up have already received like the first handful of emails. Yeah. So if I start moving them around, then it's going to be, it's going to present a probably pretty crappy experience for them because if they're getting repeats and stuff like that. Oh, true, what, true. I, what I will probably do, and I, <laughs> I should have thought this through a little more than I did, but... Uh, <laughs> When like a major OS update comes out, and most of the stuff is going to be pretty update proof. Like it's not they're they're not OS specific features or OS version specific features most most of them. Um, but if I do encounter one where like okay this one is now obsolete because of whatever OS ten the next version made this mm-hmm. broke this somehow. Like I'll probably put in an update kind of like okay well I <laughs> the first lesson showed you this or the first you know the fifth lesson said do this that's no longer valid. Here's how you can here's how you do it in the new one or it can't be done anymore or whatever. But it's mostly going to be in uh, in stone from from here. Gotcha. Well, and you said it was an undetermined amount. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. one, once a week, but it's undetermined. So you could always give a bonus yep. for the month. And Absolutely. Like, hey, you know, OSX, I don't know, whatever the name of the next one will be, just came right. out. And, you know, there's this mind-blowing thing I just found that no one knows about. Yep. There you go. And because of the way this whole – stuff is set up like on the back end that I use, like I can just email the whole list at once without, you know, and without interrupting the schedule if I have something like that happen. So, yeah. Okay. That's cool. I like this. All right. So I'm going to get on that. And again, this was not planned, but you know, <laughs> I have to do due diligence and say, seriously, I'm joining this. You guys all need to, if you have a Mac, <laughs> do you have any interest in doing iOS side of this Hmm, I've been asked that a few times, actually, since I launched this thing. And my answer has always been probably not, although I'm not saying no for sure. Um, and the reason is, is OS X has lots of really dark corners that, I don't mean that in a bad way, but like kind of oh. unexplored areas that you yeah. can do stuff with. 
iOS is a lot more flat. Um, as far as like tricks and stuff that you have to either introduce third-party apps like Workflow and Launch Center Pro and Drafts, the stuff that can do all the inter-app communication via URL schemes, it's a little bit nerdy for most people. Um, but beyond things like the you know double tapping spacebar to add a period, or double tapping the on the on the newer iOS or the newer iPhones, you can double tap the home button, like not click it, but just tap it with your thumb, and it will like lower the screen. I forget what they call that, but so you can reach the top corner without having to like reach across. Uh, reachability. Yeah, that's right, reachability. So beyond stuff like that, I mean, there's a very small handful of things yeah. that people with who have been iOS users for a while would read and go, "Oh, holy crap! I didn't know you could do that." Yeah. So. Eh, I I don't know that I will. And this the way that Apple is kind of choosing different features to work on different devices. Like, you know, the iPad Pro has the whole split view thing, which I think works differently than on like the iPad Air original version because mm-hmm. I've never been able to get it to work right. Because I think it's my version, my my iPad's too old. But it's not like you can pull out any iOS device and all these things would work. You have to be like, well, if, if you have this comma, you can do this cool thing. But if you don't have this device, this is useless to you. You know, and with the Mac stuff, I'm trying to keep it to things that only that will work on just about any Mac that's not 10 years old. Gotcha. Okay, so, so I have. Well, first, let me say this: Is there any kind of room there, though, for say cross-platform? Not platform. That's not the right word. But uh, like a a a a productivity tip on the Mac that connects to something on iOS? I think there is. Go um, there, maybe. Maybe. Well, the way, I've, the way I'm selling this now doesn't mention iOS at all. And I don't, I, I'm trying to be careful to not be like, well, obviously you have an iPhone, because that's not necessarily true. Right, people have, right. Some people have Macs and don't use iOS at all. I know so, people like that, yeah. Yeah. And I know people who have iOS devices and Windows computers. So it's, it's I don't know, assuming that they, people are all Apple is a little dangerous, and I don't want to Say, all right, I'm going to offer you this cool, you know, this awesome value or whatever for your Mac. And then be like, by the way, if you have an iPhone and an iPad, which I do, so you must also, then, you know, there's stuff you can do. Yeah. So I might, there, I mean, there are things that I can say. This also works on iOS if you happen to use an iPhone or an iPad. But I won't probably write much that just centers around iOS primarily and also involves the Mac. Gotcha. Well, my question for you that I was hoping to maybe stump you with, it mm. involves that to a, to a very certain extent. Okay. It's the whole thing where if you have a phone call ringing on your phone, you can have it show up as ringing on your Mac. Right. And a mm-hmm. lot of people – like in fact, <laughs> there was somebody who um, had something to do with that. They they had a call coming in on their phone and they had it their, – their phone during a show I was recording with them through Skype. On their end, uh, it was ringing on the phone even though their phone was on silent. And so then it started making that noise – uh, or it started ringing on the desktop, and <laughs> yeah. what, tr- what I was trying to figure out is, is there there's, there does not seem to be a way to get a notification that will pop up and say you have a phone call on your desktop without it actually ringing. Hmm. Do you know any way around that? Because I kind of <laughs> liked the 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 uh, convenience factor of being able to see it. Because I rarely get fo- actual phone calls, but right. when I do, they're kind of important. So I want to see it instead of, you know what I mean? Like have my hmm. phone sitting somewhere else. But right. Anyway, um, I'll be honest. Like I have, I, I haven't turned that feature off, but I get so few phone calls. Like I have two or three scheduled phone calls a week with various people, but I know they're coming, and I'm almost never at my computer when they when they happen. 
Um, so I have never actually received a phone call from my Mac. Like it, it ring, it shows a little thing when it, my phone rings, but yeah. I've never done anything with it other than just pick up my phone or I'll decline my call on the phone because like I hate talking on the phone. Like I seriously can't stand it. And so uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying what you're asking is impossible, but I do not know off the top of my head how to do that. Okay. That is totally fine. I just crap. Was like, man. So I did Ugh. win. I win. Yep, you won. So put your wallet away. Oh, all right. <laughs> We're back to zero. Oh crap. Okay. Wah, wah. So um anyway, that that's one of the things for me is just like there there are small little things like that that uh just I'm I'm still trying to figure out myself. So I was hoping you were gonna help me. Man. Well, you've given me an idea for another lesson I can add. So yeah, you, well, there you go. You can, will, you can look yeah. it up and see if there's a way and if there's not a way. And I know that there are other um, – because I looked into this. I, I started to at least. Then I said, forget this. I, got, I have actual work to do. Um, I'm not creating something to sell for, <laughs> to somebody about all this like you are. <laughs> and uh, I looked up, and there, there, there are a couple of you know phone launcher-type apps for the Mac – that will allow you to, you know, dial in a phone number and make that call. You know, you plug in, you know, your earbuds to the, the Mac and your right. phone's the other end of, you know, the room or house even. And through Wi-Fi, it'll make that call. So, but it doesn't fill that, doesn't fill that problem or solve that problem for me. Right. So now, that's, that feature has always, insofar as I've used it, which is, again, not very much at all. Like, it seems a little bit fiddly or a little bit wonky because I'll have my iPad sitting on my right my phone on my left, I'll be in front of my Mac and all three devices will right. make this ringing concert around me and I'll hit decline on my Mac or on my phone and the iPad will continue to ring. Exactly. And I'll sit there and kind of, why won't this thing shut up? Because I already hit decline. It should know that I don't want to take this call Yeah. and I'll get real annoyed. Well, that's one of those so. things where I like turn it off on everything because after yeah. a while it's just like, okay, well, it doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there, take that, Apple. Yeah, you don't just work. Um, <laughs> Although he, does, they do just work more than most things, and that's kind of my point. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't just work all the time, but they do a pretty good job. I'm sorry, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I am not one to get into a fight with an Android or a Windows user. No, but for me, and this is what I always say: is for me, this is always what has just worked more often than than not. I'm even the kind of geek who will do. Every time, every time there's a new OS uh, upgrade, uh, like a like a yearly one that they've kind of moved to, like an uh, like a point something point upgrade, yeah. I will back up my computer and I will do a clean wipe and do a clean install of it because <laughs> I like it. I'm just so wow. nerdy. I haven't done that. You're nerdier than me. I've never. I don't think I've ever done that. I think I did it once when like my Mac was hosed and the apple store guy was like you got to remove os 10 and reinstall it but <laughs> whenever there's a new version i'm just like whatever install over the top i do a backup yeah. first but i'm like i you know i don't have time to spend a day reinstalling apps and reconfiguring things and blah blah i just install it fix whatever breaks and get on with my yeah. life i didn't do it this time though okay because there was almost no difference so at least from the visual standpoint <laughs> right i did do it last time because of the visual well, let's let's touch on Evernote then. It would be it wouldn't be a show with you on it if we didn't talk about Evernote at all. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. What are some of Have you heard of WorkChat? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Really? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> what oh, is okay. is it part of Evernote? Cuz I just don't use chat in Evernote. Is that okay. true? Okay. 
So, <laughs> are you kidding? I no, I, I'll, I'll explain. So, uh, about crap, probably over a year ago now, Evernote launched this feature called Work Chat, and it sort of more or less supplanted the, nat- the native sharing functionality within Evernote. So, if you want to share a note or a notebook with somebody, it would basically launch a chat conversation with. At the beginning, would be a link to whatever you shared with them, and then you could sort of talk, you know, just like instant message style um, about whatever it was you shared. Um, but the, the sort of ongoing joke was Evernote was extremely aggressive in promoting this feature. So people who even had used it already, the, like the iOS app and the Mac app in particular, I think, were just constantly hollering at you about trying WorkChat. Have you tried WorkChat? And so it's, it, got, it, got pretty, it got pretty annoying. But that was just sort of the joke. Was, have you tried WorkChat? Like, of course I have. If, if, if I haven't tried it, I don't want to because you've mentioned it every 20 seconds for the last year. See, this just so. goes to show I do not collaborate with anyone in my <laughs> Evernote at all. It is, <laughs> it is literally like my archive for important stuff that's digital. Like it's, it's where I will move stuff from Gmail archive into Evernote archive to keep long-term, longer-term right. even. Mm-hmm. And also where I will keep articles or you know different pieces like that where it's like, man, I really got to learn how to do such and such with building my email list or this, this with my, you know, tweaking my podcast or stuff, you know, stuff you come across on the web in the big blob of, wow, all this stuff I could be doing better for myself or my business that I'm not, don't have time to do right now. Where do I put that? That's Evernote for me. Right. So it's your grain silo. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, so yeah, you saying, have you tried work chat? Like literally that passed me by and I feel like I missed something and, and yet didn't at the same time. So do me a favor. If you're here, if you're listening to Eric and I talk about this and you got that joke right when I made it with it before the explanation, let me and Eric know on Twitter <laughs> or wherever. Cause I, I want to make sure that I'm not crazy because I've experienced this with so many other people, but I want to make sure it's not just the, like us Uber Mac dorks who laugh about it. So <laughs> say hello and let me know if you, if you experience the Evernote, uh, pushy, pushy nature of work chat promotion. That's great. Well, so no, I haven't. And is this, an, is it worth anything? Or does it matter? Um, if I'm already in Slack, does this matter? Well, it lets you kind of – I use it sometimes like with my accountant, with a few other people. Like I'll have this – of a note that I'm like, all right, I've made this note containing this information and I want to discuss it with this person. And so I start a little conversation and it keeps the conversations separate insofar as if I have – let's say you and I are collaborating on a project, right? And there's one note in Evernote that's like the list of topics we're going to write about. And the second one is a list of people we want to email about becoming affiliates or whatever. And they're two different documents. We can have two separate conversations about each do- – you know, one for each document. So it's not like you and I are chatting on Skype or iMessage where it's just a single conversation. You can have multiple conversations with multiple people. You can invite and uninvite and add new content, that kind of thing. So it's not – I don't – I actually – I think it's fine. I don't hate it. Um, I can I, see a I, use for it. Yeah, the the original sharing stuff was a little more intuitive, if you ask me. And the, but it, it kind of forces you to do the chat thing now, which I'm like, eh. You used to be able to just go send this person a link to this thing, and they would just get it, and that would be that. And you would see in the little activity guy, so and so shared this note with you, and you could open it, and that'd be it. But oh, so now, now there's you, like, now you have to talk to the person. Yeah, now you have to walk up to them at the bar <laughs> and hand them the note, <laughs> ask them how their kids are doing, even though all you wanted to do was send them a spreadsheet or whatever. Wow. So. I don't know. It, it, it's eh, I, I like I said. It's fine. I don't I don't hate it. But um, yeah. So yeah. Work chat. Okay. You've heard um, of it now. Yeah. Recent listeners to the show have also heard the the blab recording 
of Steve Dotto, Mike Vardy, and myself talking about Evernote, which I, again, you, you said, man, sounds like I should have been there <laughs> on Twitter. And I'm like, yes, you should have <laughs> been. Well, yeah. no, but had we – see, here's the thing. Like, that was not a topic that I knew was going to happen that day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would have made perfect sense to have you on. So you'll have to come on our, our biweekly lab show um, to do Love that. To. Yeah. But one, I got to get your perspective on something. We've talked about this a bit on that that conversation. Was you know somebody's opening Evernote for the first time? How do you get them started? Uh, that's actually something I cover in the book. Believe it or not, uh, it's it's a really really common question. So it's like this big blank canvas, right? Sort of like if you hand someone a new uh, paper journal, like for Christmas or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. I got you a paper journal. You open it up and go, "What am I going to put in here?" Like I could just journal in it, or I could use it for recipes, or I could use it for shopping list or whatever. Like there's a million different things you can do with a blank book of paper. And Evernote's the same kind of problem. Because especially when it's being sold as like <laughs> heavily as it is by mm-hmm. enthusiastic users like me. Like, oh, it's great. You can do all sorts of stuff with it. And you sit down and you're like, okay, like what? So <laughs> the strategy that I've found, found to be the most effective in talking to people is like pick one thing that you can use Evernote for. That pick a, pick a, hire it to solve a certain problem. So let's say you want to, let's say you like to cook, right? Um, and you want to keep, place to keep recipes. Evernote's great for that. So let's just for the for the first month of using Evernote, just use it to collect recipes and use it to organize them. Get used to how the application works, how tagging works, how notebooks work, all that stuff. And if you find that like okay, now you've now you're familiar with with the guts of the application. Now add another use case because I think the problem is the the two faceted deal is you sit down and you're you're like overcome with possibilities, so you do nothing. When you first encounter Evernote, or you shoehorn your entire life into it, and now you can't find anything, and now it's just this over-engineered or completely disorganized pile of crap that you can't do anything with, and you were, you know, quietly crying because you were promised efficiency and accessibility of your data, and now you just got this big mountain of garbage you can't find anything in. So I think that the one one part of life at a time approach makes it easier to ease into it. Because if, if, if you decide that Evernote isn't, Evernote isn't for you, which is a perf- perfectly valid point to arrive at in your life, you aren't going to have to then take out five years of tax records that are all in PDFs and weirdly named files where the export function is a little bit inefficient sometimes, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's a very, very long-winded answer. But yeah, pick one thing. Like, you know, first start with your gardening or you know, start with the shed you're going to build in your garage. Like use that as a resource bucket for, you know, Use Evernote for a resource bucket for that project or for recipes or for your wine collection or you know, whatever. It's like pick one thing and, and uh, use Evernote for that for a while. So the obvious follow-up question is, is what if I've been using Evernote for a long time, but it's a mess? How do I get it back into being tamed with all that stuff that's already in there if you're saying to kind of pick use one thing? Mm. Well, if you've, yeah, if you've already put everything in there and you're not sure what to do, uh, <laughs> what I would recommend is – Take everything in every notebook. I mean, if well, and use this. I use this advice with caution because it's not necessarily right. But it's if someone sat down, was like, my Evernote account is a complete cluster, and I want to make it sane. How do I do it? I'd be like, all right, take everything in every notebook and put it into a new notebook called DMZ, and delete all of your tags. <laughs> and so you have, now have this un because the only way you're going to be able to do this, I think is a real like scorched earth kind of, you got to leave everything, let, keep just the data and leave all the organizational cruft dead on the side of the road. And then when you have time, 
spend you know a, a Saturday evening with a glass of wine and go through and chop off a hundred notes out of the DMZ and organize them in a sane fashion and sort of do that for however long you need to, depending on how many notes you have, um, and then hopefully by the end, by the time you're done with that, you will have. A, learned your lesson about trying to over-organize Evernote from the beginning, which is a mistake a lot of people make. I made it. Everyone, I think, makes it. Um, so you'll have the right amount of organization for you. You won't have 20,000 tags. You won't have 400. Well, you can't even have 400 notebooks. You won't have 200 notebooks that are about things that don't matter anymore. <laughs> like You'll have built a organization system that will work going forward. So it's not, not, not the advice a lot of people want to hear probably, but yeah. I think if you just blow everything away and start over, you'll be happier in the long run. That's what I had to do. At one point, I just decided to do that. I I literally sat there with my phone while watching TV one night and just kind of went notebook by notebook and just said, you know, what's in here that's really worth keeping? Mm -hmm. And and honestly, there was a lot of stuff in there that was like years old. (laughs) This is your shopping list from three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Or or here's an (laughs) here's. I'm trying to think of the most obscure one there because it was, you know, from being working in the social media realm and having, uh, you know, that changing so quickly. It was like how to how to I use Plurk, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how to get started on Google Plus is another one, right. and I'm sure. So yeah, it yeah. was it was it was embarrassing. So I was glad it was by myself until now that I've confessed it out loud. But right. yeah, that's I, I agree. That's probably the only way that you can really do it. And, and honestly, again, I think the thing is, is just really deciding what one thing. And, and I, that's what I had to do. You know, decide what one thing I was going to use it for. And for me, again, it's that it's my own personal Wikipedia yeah. of of my own life. So anything I throw in there, it's stuff that I want to keep. Um, and to a certain extent, that's not where I put. Uh, you know. Stuff that I, I, I'm not. I'm not such a heavy duty user that I'm pulling out like tax records and scanning them and then putting them in Evernote. No, that we have a file. We have a tangible file drawer for that, but I'm not opposed to that right. either. Well, I think it's. It depends on what you know. How how heavily do you want to invest your or you know invest your time in, in putting your life into this yeah. this app? So well, and, yeah. and so. But what I will do is, for example, uh, every time I get a new. I don't know, device or piece of tech hardware or or not even that. Like it's just something where I know I can go to the web and find the PDF of that manual. I'll throw that manual in there mm-hmm. because then I can yep. search for it immediately on Evernote on my phone without having to go pull that up on my laptop and look. And Exactly. Know. So. Yep. No, that's yet another thing Evernote's really great for. But yeah, saving manuals for stuff. I've got a boatload of those in my Evernote account too. Well, right. Brett, it's been fun having you back, and this is probably one of the more enjoyable episodes that I've done in a while because it oh. was well, thanks. less content. That is not what I meant. I meant <laughs> it was more jokey <laughs> than anything else. Um, so, yeah, Master Your Mac, where, where should people go to get that? Uh, if you just go to brettkelly.org, which is my internet homepage site thing. It's right there. Um, it's right there. And I have it open right now because I'm literally, as soon as I click... I should make that more this. obvious how to get there. It's also at slash master your Mac with hyphens between your and master your Mac. Well, I'll tell but you what. I will, I will put uh, – Link in the show notes I'll for put me, the link in the show notes. Yeah. All right. Perfect. And uh, that will work. Excellent. So and, – and again, I'm jumping on this. I get no affiliate anything for this. I'm just telling you. $5 once a month. 
you too can save your you too can master your Mac for just five dollars a month. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> like a really shiny white smile with a little sparkle. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brett, thank you for being back on the show. This has been fun. Okay. <laughs> I truly hope that if you were a creator of something that you appreciated Brett's honesty about his failure with his product that he launched and that it didn't do, it didn't meet his expectations and what he did with that moving forward, what lessons he learned. I also hope that if you're a Mac user in any way, you got something out of the two quick tips and conversation that I had with Brett about that. And I do hope you'll consider, like I have done, jumping on his Master Your Mac email course. And again, I want to say thank you to Nosby for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Make sure to go grab that 30-day free trial of Nosby Pro for you and a partner. Go to nozbe.com slash T-O-D-O. If you are not using a task manager, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? Go grab this now. And if you are using one, again, you owe it to yourself to try something out and see if it works for you. Head on over to nozbe.com slash T-O-D-O. Grab it. Let me know at the show notes for this episode that you've done that beyond the to-do list.com slash 130. It'll send me an email and then I will send you my Nosby template for my morning routine. Hope to hear from you and I will see you next episode. the to-do list is a proud member of the noodle mix network find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx